have to invite myself on to get skewered more often by you two. That way we can I can start to reach the, the levels of, of those guys. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of There's a Lot Going On, the only podcast that picked Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma to make the playoff. I'm David Arroyo, joined, as always, my pal Tom Shively. Tom, we have just gotten past the holiday. It is time now for a college football preview. And, Tom, before I ask you how you're doing today, we have to welcome in a returning guest. It's his third time on the program within the last calendar year. The second time within the past week, it's the one, the only, Caleb Wolfinger. Caleb, welcome back to There's a Lot Going On. Thank you for joining us to help preview the college football playoff. Thank you guys for having me. Third, second time in a week. Always a pleasure. Glad I could be a recurring guest. I'm almost at uh, Brian McLaughlin or Zach Kaplan levels. It might take a, might take some more appearances to get there with those guys, but you know. Alabama is trying to pull the Caleb this year by going back to back, so we'll see if they do it. Yeah, it's going to take a while to catch up to them, just because like they've had the head start. You know, they were they were on the pod when it was still a radio show. They they had the the head start of like when we started it. Like, hey, we need some people to come on. Like, who wants to help us fill time? So they were there for that. You know, you you missed out on some easy bankable show appearance op- show appearance opportunities, and that's not on you. That's on that's on Tom and I. Credit to Kaplan. Nobody feels time better than that guy. Incredible stuff. I have to invite myself on to get skewered more often by you two. That way we can, I can start to reach the, the levels of, of those guys. Well, before we get to the skewering, one quick note on the comment Tom made about Kaplan. He told me that one of his bosses at work told him the same thing, that nobody fills time better than him. So if they ever need someone to fill time, they would just go in his earpiece and say, say, Kaplan, fill, 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 and they'll be good. He'll just start filling and talking about, you know, the most random things possible. Let's go to the skewering of people. I'll, I'll start with skewering myself because, wow, did I have not a read at all on the this college football season. Going back to our college football season preview, I had picked Ohio State to make the playoff. I picked Clemson to make the playoffs because I said they'd beat Georgia at the beginning of the year. That didn't happen. And then I said Georgia would beat Alabama in the SEC title game. That was a take I held firmly on literally until the game happened. The day of the game, I was still saying Georgia was going to beat Alabama in the SEC championship game, and none of those things happened. So I got some teams right in the playoffs, but I was not even close to remotely correct about how we would get those teams into the playoff. Tom, you did a little bit better than me because you had the Cincinnati Bearcats making the playoffs. So great job by you calling that one, being right. You were all over it. I had said the committee would never do it, but you know, here we are. They're in there and you called it. You had the foresight to say that would happen. You also, however, though, said Ohio State would make the playoff. And I don't think you played Clemson because you had them losing to Georgia. So again, not nearly as bad as me. I think you got three of the four teams into the playoffs. Ohio State, you know, just a bit of an upset there. And Caleb, I mean, we got to do it to you. You told us all year during the pl- – well, not all year, but in the preview, and we definitely asked you about this. We came to you about this. You had told us Oklahoma should be title favorites. You said that Spencer Rattler was going to win the Heisman. You said this is the best defense they've ever had. And this was maybe the worst Oklahoma team we've seen in the last few years. I need you to defend your Oklahoma Sooners. What happened this season? I think it's the – from an offensive perspective, I overestimated the last like two months of their season last year when 
they played so well because they got off to a bad start. Rattler was a true freshman. He played great down the stretch, though. The whole the whole team played really well down the stretch. You know, they beat Iowa State in the title game rematch, and you know, so I was kind of all in on what their potential was. Um, but I think quickly, like I mean, I'm sure in that episode, uh, from what I went back and what I heard, I mentioned placing like some bets on them preseason after week three. Like I hedged on those because I could kind of see that it wasn't going to be, even though they were winning, it wasn't like. And I wasn't necessarily caring about how like pretty it looked, but just the offense wasn't the same. So um, I think the thing that I couldn't project, which in college football is probably more important than anything else, is like the quarterback. I could I couldn't project that Rattler would have the struggles that he had. So that was definitely a big, a big L. And then I think, you know, when Williams came in, I uh, kind of got back in a little bit, just seeing what the offensive explosiveness did have. And then that kind of went away because once teams really forced him to be like a true blue drop back, seven-step drop, throw it like every play, it got, you know, it's inexperienced. So it was kind of adapting on the fly. I don't think that like, it, I think it was more of the offense to me. Now, not like the defense like help matters, but I think it, the, the last couple games of their season, the defense actually played pretty well. But by that point, you know, they had two losses and they weren't going to make the playoff. So it was just kind of a, a misread on on their explosiveness like their their home run hitting ability which i thought that they could have and they 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 would win games by putting up putting up highlight numbers that like we're used to with Oklahoma and they just never had that the whole year the the one thing real quick tom before you go that i would say in your defense is that it's not just you who i think ended up overrating their end of season because a lot of nfl draft people like it was those last five, six games of Oklahoma season last year and their bowl game that made people go, all right, wait a minute. Like, is Spencer Rattler QB1? Is this going to be the guy that we're talking about next NFL draft season that he should be going first? Because his tape looked fantastic. He was doing all those things you want to see from a modern NFL quarterback. You know, he was throwing off platform. He was throwing with different arm angles. He was throwing with good touchdown field and then showed literally none of that this season. Like, we never saw that again from him. And maybe that was because the offensive line was bad and he just never got comfortable maybe it was you know something else that we don't know about but he just did not look like the same quarterback that NFL draft scouts had gotten so excited about at the end of last season Tom go ahead yeah I mean well speaking of QB1 you had him and you had Sam Howell come into the year and there's no better way to erase your QB acumen than a 10-point performance against Virginia Tech in week one and they kind of we stopped talking about North Carolina before most teams even played their first game but you know, I also, I was an Oklahoma believer. I had them in the playoff. I thought the Big 12 was going to be horrendous this year, and they were just going to kind of steamroll everybody. Big 12 was really bad this year. I think, you know, Baylor had a good year. Oklahoma State had a good year. But it, it, I, I think both of those teams, if if the rosters were full, would get pretty well handled in their respective New Year's Six games. That second half against Texas, I felt like... If you could have bottled that and had that all season, that was kind of the Oklahoma that everybody expected. And that was the game they won, and Caleb mentioned they kind of turned the corner a little bit, but then a couple weeks later they struggle against Kansas, and that's kind of the, all right, the the jig is up with Oklahoma. They you know they were a Caleb Williams kind of fluky play away from losing that game at Kansas, and then that was kind of when I think America gave up on them. I think like that second half was kind of the element of surprise that they hadn't had. It might have just been, and I don't know, it might have, you know, I don't really know what happened in the offseason until now with Rattler and the offense and what have you, but 
it felt like in that second half against Texas, it was just like that level of off script and like excitement with Williams being a guy that nobody had tape on and things like that. That really, I mean, Texas defense not exactly setting records this past season, but like also it was, it was genuinely exciting. Oklahoma, it's not like the talent wasn't there. Their wide receiving core, I think is outstanding. Like they were making plays. I mean, even that Texas game, just going back to that, that amazing catch ball, I think it was Mims who made the catch uh, right near the corner of the end, the end zone near the pylon. That was like a highlight real play. So like, and their running game is great. I love their running backs all season. I think a lot of people were clamoring for their running backs to be, you know, use more um, Kennedy Brooks, I think mainly, but like, so they have all the capabilities to be like a really good offense. And it just wasn't, it wasn't consistent. I mean, they dominated against like Texas tech, you know, okay. They, you know, they had that, that great game against Texas in terms of an offensive perspective, but it wasn't, I don't know what was off, but I just think that it was like half in, half out, you know, with Oklahoma the whole year. And, and I don't really know what, what stemmed from that, but uh, definitely not what I, definitely not what I expected. Not, not my preseason handicap at all. Here's a fun one. Uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, most disappointing of the three this year, if you had to pick one. Clemson. I would say Clemson by a mile because of the expectations on DJ coming into the year was that he was going to step in and be that next Clemson quarterback. They've had you know two good ones. Here comes the third, and he was nowhere close to that. I would argue Oklahoma because I feel Clemson you know has titles. Clemson's won recently, and and Oklahoma, this was the year. I mean, we were saying in the preseason, you know, Big Twelve down year. They were number two coming into the year. They had Spencer Rattler, who was writing on the wall this guy's a good quarterback and to fall flat like they did it Clemson kind of felt like I don't know if they were due for a down year like losing the number one pick it's hard to bounce back right after that you know not everyone's Alabama even Clemson isn't Alabama at the end of the day but to me Oklahoma had it all in front of them and didn't get it done I would argue we've seen Clemson though lose what I would consider QB1 in the draft before when they lost to Sean Watson and they bounced back immediately with Trevor Lawrence so like I've seen recent evidence of them losing star potential number one pick quarterback and immediately still being great without him. Did, did so, anyone think DJ was that guy? Did people really think he was going to be number one pick? I think, did, yeah, I, I interpreted people. I think people looked back at that Notre Dame game and said, you know, first start, he played really well. Like, he wasn't expected to win that game, and they almost won that game. And so expectations were, it's still going to be Clemson. And the offense was nowhere near what we've seen in years past from Clemson. Clemson was minus a thousand preseason to win the ACC. Uh, it's got to be. It's got, and you. You don't even make your conference championship game. It's got to be Clemson. What was Oklahoma to win the Big Twelve? Like one sixty, two hundred. I think it was like one sixty because Iowa State was like plus okay. one fifty, plus two hundred because they were supposed to be a really another disappointing team this season. Um, uh, so I think the Big Twelve, like Oklahoma State. I mean Baylor was talk about as far down the list as you can get in terms of preseason like big 12 stuff but Oklahoma State was pretty far down the list too so the big 12 just kind of was off on its own tangent this season well let's stop talking about all these losers then and let's talk about the teams who actually came out here and got it done this entire season we're going to start with the 1-4 matchup because I think they're 
the second game is a little more interesting in terms of matchup, but this one's more interesting in terms of how we got here. So it is going to be number one, Alabama, 12 and one winners of the SEC. I mean, it, it just, I feel like this is just what they do. It's either they win the SEC or they're 11 and one and still make the playoff because the committee just believes, oh, well, it's Alabama. They're going to, they should be in anyway. It was kind of an up and down season for Alabama. It, it felt like a lot of the conversation this season was Alabama's so vulnerable. This is the most vulnerable Alabama's ever been. And at the end of the day, they had the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. I would argue the number one quarterback in next year, the year after his draft, whenever he is eligible to come out. I'm not exactly sure what year he's eligible to come out, but he's going to be in conversation for the number one pick. Their defense, I don't think, is as good as it's been in years past, but at the end of the day, played Georgia took care of business in the SEC championship game, and now here they are, uh, the one seed. On the other side, before we break down any of these teams, the 13-0, like Tom called it, Cincinnati Bearcats, all they did was take care of business all year. I would say the most important win for them this season, Notre Dame. Notre Dame finished right behind them in the playoff. You know, they had no idea when they scheduled this game that that Notre Dame was going to be the team that was in conversation with them to make the playoff, but there they are. They took care of business. They're here in the playoff. Desmond Verter is maybe a first-round quarterback. I haven't watched his tape yet, so I can't really say. Uh, he's first or second-round quarterback, I think, right now in next year's draft. They have, I think, the number two defense in the country behind Georgia, and it's an interesting matchup. I mean, first time we've got a group of five team in. I'll kind of let you guys take it from there, Caleb. I'll let you go first. Uh, you know, whatever you want to break down with this matchup. Yeah, I mean, I think the well, for one, you you talked about the conversation surrounding Alabama this season, and quickly, I think two things can be true. I think a this is the most vulnerable, whatever that means, Alabama team in the, in at least the last few years because they haven't been outwardly dominant for thirteen games. But also, they, I, the rest of the competition wasn't necessarily as good as it could have been. So they were able to, when they had their big showdown games, show up. I mean, the the games against Ole Miss that was a show up spot for Saban. They you know they won handily. Um, the A and M game was a big spot for A and M. You know, and, and Alabama nearly show up to that game. But then there are there are other big, you know, flag plant spots. I mean, Georgia, you know. The narrative writes itself with the whole, you know, disrespected thing and all that stuff. So that they, I think the games Rat where poison. the games where they had to be Alabama, they were Alabama, you know, for the most part. So that's why they're here. Hold on, let, let, let's stay on that for a second, though. Let, let's stay on that for a second because I would agree mostly, but also at the same time, like you had that Auburn game where like you need to win that game to be in the playoff. Yeah, they they pulled it out in the end. That was tough sledding basically the entire game for Alabama. They almost were not even in position to be able to make the playoff because they couldn't win that game. And I pin that largely on Bill O'Brien. I think this is maybe the worst play calling Alabama's had in the last few years. I mean, Sark never had this kind of issue. I'm having a hard time remembering all Kiffin. the other offensive coordinators. Kiffin, Lane thank Kiffin, you. Kiffin, come on. Yeah, they cycle through them so quickly. I can't like place them all in my head anymore. But like Bill O'Brien has been troubling to say the least as a play caller this year, and that's what makes them so vulnerable because this like I said, I think this defense is good, but it's not like the traditionally dominated, dominating Alabama defense we've seen before. This offense can still be absolutely overwhelming and dominating when the play calling is is working. But the play calling got conservative at times this year, and it, it just made for an Alabama team who you looked at and said, okay, we could beat them. Like, why can't we beat them? And I'm sure Cincinnati has that exact mindset. 
Yeah, I, I think. Um, I mean, you don't have to. You don't need Bill O'Brien slander. Uh, you don't. You don't need to appeal to me to get Bill O'Brien slander because. I, I, before we came on air, I even said some negative things about Sark, but Sark is definitely, at least you know, on principle, more of like an offensive mind than Bill O'Brien. He's shown to to be an offensive guy, at least from a coordinator perspective. So, and then Kiffin obviously, you know, circles around Bill O'Brien. So, you really don't like it doesn't compare. And the skill talents there, you know, we talk about Bryce Young, but Alabama, the Auburn game, Bigsby stays in bounds, they lose that game. Um, like just that's just what happens. It's just the the clock. It's not even it's not an opinion. That's just what happens. Um, so that was a mental error. Yeah. But I don't know. I think it's tough to. They're like Michael Myers, right? You, 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 they're never really dead, Alabama. So, and when it comes to this game, Cincinnati, I think is the, it was actually going to be their toughest defensive matchup, and I, I stand firmly on that because their strength is in the back end. Alabama strengthens in the passing game, uh, especially because with the injuries at running back they've had recently. So the strength is going to be in the passing game. Bryce Young gets the ball out really quick. He's like throwing darts, um, a lot of like intermediate routes, but they can hit you with deep shot too. But Cincinnati has two, I think both of them are supposed to be first round guys. I'm not like a draft expert, but I think Gardner and um, Bryant are supposed to be first round guys. Gardner's like a definite. Yeah. uh, Or yeah, Gardner's a definite. Bryant's a little more probably second round but he could sneak into the first round with a good performance here tom i mean go ahead, it's, jump in. it's it's safe to say this is the best secondary they've played all year i i would say i i would rank cincinnati secondary ahead of georgia's secondary everywhere else i got georgia yeah but that especially with caleb how predicated they're on the passing game they've struggled a lot this year you know we didn't mention the lsu game they didn't look very good in that one that was in november um their offensive line had a really bad month and that included lsu and auburn they got it kind of feels like georgia's putting a band-aid over these last few performances you know they had a close one against arkansas it's they they battled in november and they had this one good win and it's like alabama's back how much does that one game mask what we saw in November? I think, you know, you lose John Mechie as well for Alabama. You lose your second best receiving target. They Cincinnati can pay that much more attention to Jamison Williams. I don't know if Cincinnati's going to win, but I think Alabama maybe is going to have to rely on the intermediate passing a little bit more. And then Cincinnati's linebackers will see how interactive they can be. I think it's Pace is leading the team with four interceptions, so he's a pretty good player, but... What can they do, really, against some of those big tight ends for Alabama, too? I think my thing, though, right, and this has been my thing with Alabama, specifically when it comes to the playoff for a while now. I just have a hard time saying Alabama's going to lose when you give the greatest coach in college football history a month to prepare for your opponent. And, yeah, they have some injuries, but, like, at the end of the day, it's Nick freaking Saban. Like, I have nothing... Like, yeah, Luke Fickle, very good coach. I'm not going to say he's not. He's not Nick Saban. And so if you give Nick Saban a, a month to prepare for anybody... I'm going to probably lean in that direction of he's going to be able to find a way to exploit whoever you're playing. Now, maybe in the national championship, it's a little bit harder. You know, it's a week, two weeks, however long you get before the national championship to prepare. But when you have a month to prepare for Cincinnati, I just I just have this gut feeling that Alabama is going to figure something out to do on offense, even if, you know, it's strength on strength here with the Alabama passing game against the Cincinnati secondary. No, I think that's that's the argument for Alabama in this game. Like the argument for Alabama winning this game convincingly is you're giving them a lot of time. 
I think this game goes pretty similar to the Cincinnati-Georgia bowl game last year, in my opinion, where not necessarily it ends Georgia winning on a last-second field goal as time expires, or in this case, Alabama. But I think that Cincinnati comes out and in the first half plays, they have the first half like scripted, essentially, or at least most of it, where they are going to play to their uh, their strengths. And they're going to do what they can. And maybe they've hit some stuff that they're going to d- display for this game, you know, because you are giving Cincinnati a month too. So I think that they keep it close and, and, and interesting. And I think it's pretty close throughout. I think if anything in the fourth quarter, you could see Alabama extend it to a two-possession lead. Um, but I do think, I mean, Mechie was a, a big guy for, for Bryce Young. So I'm going to be interested to see how they – who the second option in the passing game is going to be um, against the secondary. And I also would like to see how how Cincinnati's like O-line handles Alabama's interior because Alabama's strength is is in the, the middle of their defense. So I, if Cincinnati can run the ball at all, which they should be able to because Alabama against Florida, um, against who else gave them trouble? A&M, like they had problems in terms of stopping the run. Um I think that could be an interesting part. If they can get Ford in the open field, like Ford wasn't a guy this year who was getting you like in between the tackles, five, six yards, but on the outside, he was breaking off a lot of, a lot of chunk plays, a lot of explosive plays. Cincinnati's like run game. We saw that against like SMU against uh, Houston, like in their, in their big games, it was a lot of like get Ford the ball in space, find Alec Pierce on third down. Ritter loves him. So, and I mean, they they had their fair share of struggles too. You know, they barely beat Tulsa. It's not like Cincinnati was steamrolling everybody this season. They, so had, I they think had a lull. You know, they're better. They it felt like much like Alabama. They 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 were playing their best football the last game of the season. But the, you know, there are some glaring weaknesses that I'm sure Alabama is going to try to exploit. And usually, if Alabama wants to exploit something, you're going to be in trouble. So, could be interesting. Well, well, Go ahead, elaborate on that a little bit, Tom. What, what are when you look at Cincinnati? What are those weaknesses that Alabama is going to want to exploit? Because you met, like it's, it's the thing I mentioned. You know, you have a month to prepare. So, what are those things that people should be looking for? Cincinnati, I think, has lulls on offense where you're going to have three to four possessions where you you're punting every possession. It feels like consistency. They're, they're very streaky on the offensive side of the football, and I think if, if Especially if one of those streaks is, you know, around halftime or early earlier in the second quarter, and Alabama pushes this to a twenty-one nothing lead, Cincinnati playing from behind really hasn't had to do it this year. Alabama, you know, has had to come back several times so far this season. You know, they had that comeback against Auburn, A um, and M. They kept coming back; they just weren't able to get it done. And it's it's Cincinnati. If they fall behind, how good are they at having to rely on the pass game? Yeah, I think that's uh, a fair point. Uh, well, real quick though, w- wouldn't I be able to argue the other side of, you know, you have a potential first round quarterback in Desmond Ritter? Like, if this is probably the best quarterback Cincinnati maybe's ever had, just given college football to NFL talent transfer. Like, if you can't do it with Desmond Ritter, you're probably not going to be able to do it with anybody. And he's a guy who's taken a step every year, and now's the the time. Like, it, if I'm a fan of Cincinnati. 
I'm excited about this game because I'm thinking Desmond Ritter has something to prove. Yeah, he beat Notre Dame, but it wasn't a terribly impressive performance. Yeah, they beat up on their competition this year, but it was never like terribly like, whoa, look at what he did that game. This is his opportunity to, on the biggest stage of his career, plant his flag as I should be the first quarterback taken in this draft. He probably won't be, but it's an opportunity to potentially insert himself into that conversation, and that should be exciting if you're a Cincinnati fan. I think it is. I think you're just worried about being behind. I'll give them credit. They did come back from 14 down against Indiana in the second quarter in that game. So it's not like they haven't been behind all year. But to do it against Alabama's defense is a different animal. And until you see that, it's not really fair to them because they don't play anybody like Alabama on the schedule. But it's something you don't really – you can't simulate Alabama. So I think a lot of their, their comfort is going to go away. Are you sure you're making the boxing argument? Like everyone is comfortable until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah, basically. Okay, go ahead, Caleb. No, I, I think it's. I think that's a good, good, good points were made. Definitely, uh, and I think that when it comes to, when it comes down to the matchup, I mean, I just, I mean, sort of an unrelated thing, but there's a reason why I would probably lean to an under in this game as well, because I think that I think the total is like 58 right now, which is a lot of points um, for this kind of game. This is going to be, I think we're going to see some punts from both teams actually early uh, early on. And that's kind of what I think is going to factor into Cincinnati's relative success, um, at least at the very least in the first half of this game. Because I think that their defense is, is what has always been consistent every single game when the Cincinnati offense has been, in, has been inconsistent or had lulls against Navy or Tulsa or whatever you want to whatever game you want to pull up. The defense has always shown up every week, whether it's stopping the run, making plays on third downs, forcing turnovers. Notre Dame game, first drive of the game, Notre Dame marches down the field. Uh, Cincinnati forces a pick in the red zone um, uh, from Cone. That kind of flipped the momentum. They did it again in, in, late in the second quarter to build like a big lead before they kind of just you know coasted the rest of the game. So I think that like I'm not worried about Cincinnati's defense. At all, and I'm not really worried about Alabama's defense because, like we've all mentioned, like it's Nick Saban. He's a you know defense first guy as well. So I'm not worried about the defenses in this matchup. I'd be worried about how the offenses react to what they're seeing. So that's why I think this is more of a game where I think it's tightly contested for the first half, and then at least I'm going to anticipate Alabama to come out and, and make adjustments post halftime and win the game. But it wouldn't surprise me to see this be a, a one a seven point game in the fourth quarter. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Let's get some official predictions then. I I'll just give all the numbers that you had just given just a second time for people to have them. Uh, these are all courtesy of the ESPN app. Not exactly sure where they get their lines from, but the over under right now is fifty eight. Alabama uh, spread is 13.5 points in their favor. So Cincinnati, 13.5 point underdogs to Alabama. Alabama is minus 550 on the money line to win this game. It looks like, according to them, that 77% of the money is on Alabama minus 13.5. And I actually think I agree. I think Alabama 
like I said, you give Saban a month to prepare. I've seen it with him before. I think this offense is too explosive. Yeah, we mentioned Mechie is not going to be out there, but it's just been Alabama's MO. It's just next guy up. I'm sure they have another five-star, four-star receiver waiting right behind him, and they'll figure out a way to integrate him in the offense with a month to figure it out. I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair on the Alabama side. I think Desmond Ritter is probably going to look better than people expect him to, but I don't expect him to light the world on fire just because he doesn't have those tools to take advantage of Alabama in that way. Like, I, I just don't look at Desmond Ritter and go, wow, look how tools he is. Like, they're really going to have to worry about him in this game. Like, Trevor Lawrence had all the tools to pick apart a defense like Alabama or Georgia. I just don't see those from Desmond Ritter. I think Alabama ends up winning this game. If I have to give a official score, let's go 31 to 14. I, I don't think I don't think Cincinnati puts up a lot of points. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair a fair score line. My biggest, like, I guess my take for the game is I think both teams are going to be in third down a lot. Um, so it's going to be about which, I mean, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but like which offense can, can execute, which quarterback can do it. Because like I said, I think it's going to be a, a, the defenses first. So um, I personally played Cincinnati when it opened at plus 14, which is a better number, but I would still take it at 13 and a half if I had just to give a prediction. Um, I think it's going to be lower scoring than the 58. I would go under, and I'd probably say Alabama. I'll go. Uh, I'll go 30 to 20. Alabama by 10. I I like the under too. I think I think 58 in the playoff game is a lot of points. Um, in Alabama, maybe not having their one of their most explosive receivers. I I think if you are going to hit the over, it's going to be like a 35 to 40 performance from Alabama, like getting that type of offensive production. I don't see it that way. Um, I like Cincinnati plus 13 and a half. And there's a scene in the Titanic, you know, where the captain is, is watching the, the water crumble over him and the glass breaks and he's sitting there unwilling to move. I am the captain. The Titanic is the Cincinnati Bearcats. I'm not a coward. We're not all going to pick Alabama. We're not going to be those guys that all pick Alabama to roll Cincinnati. Caleb didn't say they would roll Cincinnati, but one of us has to be brave enough to pick the Bearcats. And as the Cincinnati supporter of the pod, I like the upset. Why not? Give me Cincinnati. Give me the state of Ohio. Give me the group of five. Just keep it going. Tom, I'm not sure how much a uh, plane ticket is to Dallas, Texas, but also according to the ESPN app, uh, $88 is how much it would cost you to get into the game to watch Alabama-Cincinnati. On the other end of things, the other game we're about to talk about, $193 to get into that game. So literally over $100 difference, and I'm just going to assume it's because of what these two teams are like these two teams have a bigger national footprint let's get into the game now it is number two michigan versus number three georgia again very different paths to get to this point michigan i would say michigan was surprisingly consistent all year if that makes sense like i knew what i was getting from michigan every week like they never did anything that made me go whoa i didn't think they would do that this week and and by that I mean like how they tried to play football. They wanted to line up. They wanted to punch you in the mouth. They wanted to play what I would call traditional Big Ten football and just line up and see whose guys were stronger. Is it our front seven? Is it our offensive line? And most of the time, including against Ohio State, they had the better front seven on, on defense and they had the better offensive line on offense. And that's how Michigan got here. You know, they 
for me, they it was a shocking victory over Ohio State. I mean, I doubled down in-game on picking Ohio State. I didn't think they were going to lose that game. And here they are not in the playoff because Michigan took care of business. And then they rolled Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. So pretty easy sailing from there. Georgia, massacre. Oh, my. Sorry. Just, it, it really was a massacre. I mean, wow. it, I mean, we can start on Michigan before we even go into Georgia. Let, let's start there. A massacre to get to this point. And, I mean, Michigan has started playing their best football post that loss to Michigan State and have really looked like a, a dominant, again, in the trenches, they're just dominant right now. Yeah, at Michigan, uh, to, your, to your point about consistency, Michigan was the best against the spread team in the country this season. Um, they consistently Good stat. They consistently outperformed the betting market. They made people a lot of money if you were backing them every week. I would personally say that Michigan outplayed their opponents in all of their games this season except one, and that one game was at Nebraska uh, on early in the season in a game that I am still salty because I was on Nebraska uh, plus the points. Now, they covered, but that doesn't matter because Nebraska should have won the game. <laughs> if you watch the game, Nebraska— So you're salty that you won the bet. Oh, I, I had a little on the money line too. but You it wanted was, to be more right than you were. I, I, I was because I was watching the game, and Adrian Martinez played— a great game, and then he did Adrian Martinez things at the end of the game, and that's why that they lost the game because it's Nebraska. It's what they do, but that was kind of the story of the. Yeah, we got to fit in that where they won and eight with even point differential in the Big Ten. I, not not only are they, I think, the best three and nine football team in the history of college football. They might be the best under five hundred football team in the history of college football. They're like legitimately a good football team, like metrics wise, and they showed it every week, except when it mattered, like late in the fourth quarter, or like it, I just don't, I can't handicap it. It's not something. If you bet them as an underdog, they would definitely cover for you. Never bet them as a favorite. I just what a wild, what a wild scene. But yeah, Michigan was. I would say the most consistent team in the nation week in and week out. They run the ball exceptionally. Uh, their quarterback doesn't really like wow you, but he doesn't have to. Um, they're pretty consistent, and they can hit chunk plays when they need to. And their defense you know, stops the run really well. And so that's kind of what Georgia does first thing. These are like two strength-on-strength teams. Uh, I think that's important game. because they – they didn't stop the run well against Michigan State, and it kind of felt like the defense was a little bit hungrier after that. Kenneth Walker went for 193 and five touchdowns against them. The team only scored 37 points. Kenneth Walker had all their touchdowns. Michigan, you know, is really more the surprise than Cincinnati. They weren't ranked in the preseason. Everybody had them behind Ohio State. Obviously, everybody had them behind Wisconsin. Most people probably had them behind Penn State, too. You know, they, they'd struggled a lot, and it kind of felt like now that you have the monkey off your back in Ohio State, they go out and have maybe their best performance of the season against Iowa, and it's like, oh, this team is really good, and that not being able to beat Ohio State really was what was holding them back, and you feel like you get the true Michigan now, whereas it feels like Georgia, we'll talk about it more, but they're spiraling a little bit with that. Not, the glass ceiling is kind of broken a little bit with how dominant Georgia's been. It feels like they, they were exposed a little bit, and now it's how do they respond. We saw how Michigan Michigan did it against Michigan State. How does Georgia do it? Yeah, my, my thing with Michigan, right, it, if you're going to build, and this is my thought process in both the NFL and college football, and it's why Clemson got good. If you're going to build a football team, you start from the trenches and you work your way out from there. 
And my God, like Michigan, even before this year, like the Michigan offensive line, the rate at which they're producing NFL caliber players is absurd. Like they have figured out how to draft and find good offensive linemen. And the thing I kept hearing before this year is, well, Jim just needs the quarterback. He's got to find the right quarterback. When he gets the right quarterback, they're going to figure it out. Turns out, it was once Josh Gaddis, and he found the right offensive coordinator because Josh Gaddis retooled on the fly this season what this offense was and turned them into what we see now, which is a power run football team. They're going to do a lot of play action pass. They're going to run the ball down your throat. And that might not work against Georgia because we'll get to it in a second. Like the Georgia front seven is maybe the best. Uh, in, that we've seen in quite some time, but like the Michigan offensive line is to me like you got to lean on that. You got to live and die by this run game because you've established an identity. The identity works. It works so much so that Ohio State looked lost at how to stop it. Like you, I remember that last drive against Ohio State where they got the touchdown to ice it. Everybody and their mother knew Michigan was going to run the football. And Ohio State had nothing to stop it. They couldn't do anything against it. And it was like old school, two tight ends, a fullback, and we're going to go straight downhill. We're going to run a halfback dive right up the middle. We're going to run right through the A-gap. Good luck trying to stop us. And it's it's incredible to watch. Like I, I love watching Michigan football because it's so old school. That's Big Ten football right there. Put the trademark next to it. Like, yeah, that's that's what they were that's what they were doing. It, it, now, Ohio State couldn't stop the run all year, so that wasn't a unique situation. But yeah, Michigan just bullied them. It was actually surprising. I, I was I came away from that game being pretty impressed with how Ohio State's offense played, but I mean, they just got absolutely worked on that end. And I, Michigan impressed me more than any other team this season, I think, through the course of the year, where I didn't believe in them, and I held off on believing in them. I, re- I mean, I... I bet Michigan State in that game, and I was all over Michigan State in that game, and I came away from that game lucky that they won. Like that wasn't, I wasn't right about that game. I just got lucky that Michigan State broke a bunch of explosive plays and they got some lucky turnovers. Like Michigan was, like I said, the better team in almost all their games. And the one game they weren't the better team, they played Adrian Martinez, so they won anyway. Like so, they, they've they've impressed me a lot, and I think just a spoiler. They might they don't have as much talent as Georgia across the board, I don't think, but I, I do think that they're still kind of being undervalued somehow, even though all they've done all season is is outperform the the betting market. So uh, I think Georgia's favored by a little too much. Well, let's go over then to Georgia. Georgia twelve and one. You know they started the season against Clemson. It wasn't a terribly impressive victory, but it really established what you should expect from Georgia this year, which was they're going to be dominant in the front seven. They're going to, they're comfortable being in those low scoring, you know, what was that game? Nine to six final. Like they're, they're comfortable like ten, getting ten, dirty seven or something. Ten, yeah, ten, like three. It was, it was three. A ba- they gave ten, three. three points. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a bad, bad, like offensive showing but it's what Georgia has wanted to do all season they want to dominate you with their front seven and then make it so their offense doesn't have to score a lot of points because the offense has talent but it's the same story I feel like we've seen with Georgia the last few years like I just don't trust their quarterbacks and maybe one of you guys know because I really don't if I'm being honest whether it's Stetson Bennett or JT Daniels I don't think they have like anyone special going out there at quarterback. Like they, they have a guy. They have another guy. And 
it's funny to me because Georgia to me probably wins the national championship if uh, Justin Fields is their quarterback instead of Jake Fromm. That's neither here nor there. I think that's the funniest like mess up by Kirby Smart to be like, this is my guy. I love this guy. Hey, they did bring him out that one time for that fake punt on fourth and 11 that gave Alabama the win. So give credit. He did play Justin Fields. Yeah, he played Justin Fields once. Congratulations. It's just I, I don't have any faith in this Georgia offense. And to me, that's going to make this game terribly close because both teams basically want to play the exact same version of football when it comes down to it. And the funny thing I said to Tom is there has to be like, uh, let's think, how many teams are in the Big Ten right now? 14? 14. There are, outside of Ohio State, there are, and maybe Penn State, there are 11 Big Ten teams jealous of the way Georgia plays football because they play the exact same way. They, if you dropped them into the Big Ten and said they were a Big Ten team, I'd say, yep, you're exactly right. Wisconsin's like, God damn it, you beat us for this. (laughs) You don't see two teams without good quarterback play meet in the playoff very often. You seldom get one team that does not have a good quarterback make the playoff. And to have this matchup, it just, it's such a foreign playoff concept to me. It is really strength against strength. I think it's going to be one in the trenches. And and I'd give the edge to Michigan. I think Michigan. You know, Georgia, the SEC as at the top is probably better, but Georgia avoided a lot of the good SEC teams. You know, they only played Auburn, who's who's decent in the West, but finished six and six, and they and they beat up on Arkansas. Give them credit; that was a great win, thirty-seven to nothing. But Michigan, you know, did it against Ohio State, controlled large portions of the Michigan State game. They beat a pretty good Penn State team. It feels like they had a tougher go of it in terms of teams that dominate the trenches, and they were kind of able to handle themselves. So. I, I would give the edge to Michigan, especially with those the two outside rushers they have that are going to make life hell for whatever quarterback they have if Georgia can't establish the run. If they can't establish the run, Michigan's going to win. I'm going to slightly disagree about the quarterback play with Georgia only because I think Stetson Bennett's a good quarterback. Um, now, I don't – all right, well, that's that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Threw for 340 in the SEC I, championship. Stetson, that's not bad. Stetson Bennett can play. Well, I mean, regardless of – I test. I mean, this doesn't always mean anything, but his metrics this year were very good for the most part. He, I think Georgia, this is a weird sentence. I think Georgia played better defenses this year than their defense played good offenses. In that they're like Florida's offense, um, no. Uh, at, especially at that point in time, because I think Jones and Richardson were both like battling injuries. Uh, like, you know, South Carolina, I mean, who else? Like Arkansas's offense was is pretty good. I'll give them that. But like there was some Kentucky's offense. Kentucky's offense was nothing to write home about. Like I think Bennett's a good QB, and I think that we don't. I mean, do we know? I mean, me personally, do we know like any of the Georgia receivers' names? Like I don't really. So I think that yeah, I do because I have the ESPN. I have ESPN oh, open, yeah, so I know is George Pickens still there. That'd be the only one I know. I gotta be honest. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. That would be the only one I know. They haven't. They have an electric tight end. I don't want to sell. I don't want to sell. The His tight name end, is uh, Bowers. Brock Bowers was their leading receiver. He's, he's really good. So yeah, I, I think the, the New England Patriots recipe don't have a receiver leading <laughs> reception yards. <laughs> I think I think Bennett is better than Daniels. Actually, I mean, I, I don't think Daniels is. I know he's like the five star guy, and he's supposed to be the answer when he transferred there. I don't think Daniels really showed us anything to prove that. So I think Bennett's the right guy for the job. I think. I think he's a good QB. Now I don't. He's out. He's not an elite QB. He's not someone that can win you a championship by himself. He's not, you know, Bryce Young or what what have you. But I, I have 
a little more confidence in him than than Michigan's uh, quarterback, whose name escapes me, but McNamara, right? So McNamara, yeah. mm-hmm. Cade, isn't his first name Cade? Cade, yeah, yeah. But but as teams, I, I think Michigan has more momentum, and to Tom's point, I think they have an easier recipe. Not easier, but they have a a recipe to win games that has held true in every game this season, even when they went up against an elite offense like Ohio State versus Georgia defense got picked apart by Alabama. So who knows if there are some questions on, on that front. Let, let's get in some official predictions then. Once again, I will start us off. I, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there. I think Georgia has better talent. But I feel like their identity is a lot muddier than Michigan's is. I feel like specifically on offense, Georgia doesn't exactly know what they want to be. Like they, I think in Georgia's ideal world, they can run an offense like Alabama runs, where they have this quick passing game, they have a quarterback who can get outside the pocket and make plays, and they just don't have that guy. And so to me, they're playing two steps behind to begin with where Michigan is very comfortable like hey we're just going to line up and see what happens we're going to try and run the football if you stop it and I think over the course of a game the way Michigan plays football is very wearing on your opponent it's just very taxing to have to play that kind of defense for the entirety of all game I would say I also would probably argue this might be unpopular but I guess we're back on the train if I'm saying it I would argue that Jim Harbaugh is a better coach than Kirby Smart is Maybe that's not a popular opinion. I know Kirby Smart's an excellent recruiter, but I would take Jim Harbaugh in terms of coaching acumen. I've seen him do it, you know, getting a team to a Super Bowl with a pretty similar recipe outside of the fact that he had Colin Kaepernick, who's a much better quarterback than Cade McNamara. Let's just put that out there. But I I think my official pick is Michigan. I think Michigan's going to win this football game. I think it's going to be an extremely low scoring game like like you, you, we we're talking like we're talking about Clemson, Georgia. Think like that kind of realm. Like it's going to be very low scoring. I think final score here is probably going to be thirteen to ten. Michigan wins it maybe on a field goal at the end of the game, but I don't think it's going to be terribly high scoring. Take the under if you are if you're betting on this game, and you know totals forty five and a half. But I don't think we get close to that number. So Michigan thirteen ten over Georgia. Yeah, I like the under too. Um, to your point, Dave, if, if recruiting got you championships, Kirby Smart would have rings on his toes by now, but they, they just don't win the biggest games. I don't know anyone who has underperformed more on the biggest stage than Kirby Smart. I can give you that one game against Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield that they performed really well, and that is it. They put up a stinker in the second half against Alabama. Right after that, they've had they should have millions a title. of chances. They've had millions of chances to win the SEC against, you know, whether it be Joe Burrow, LSU, tough team to beat. I get that. But they come up short every year. And and I I didn't really see anything different from this year. I didn't think this team was really, really that much more impressive than they have been in years past on the defensive side of the ball. And, and And I get the NFL talent they have, but Alabama kind of validates that where this is the same Georgia, and I think Michigan finally getting over Ohio State is a different team than we've seen in years past because they've had good teams. 2016, they were great. 2018, they were great. They just weren't able to kind of dot the I and get it done against the Buckeyes. But now that they have, now that they've kind of cleared that, it feels like they're different this year. And I'm going to go with the Wolverines. So I got Cincinnati and Michigan. What's your score? Can we get a score? Uh, 17-10. 17-10. Yeah, I'll... um. I think I think well for one I mean the line was seven and a half and I, and I took Michigan um, at that number. Same. Now the I played over forty three when it came out, so 
just because I thought that was a pretty uh, obscenely low number, and it's gone up since then. But I think um, it's a close game. I think it's in the, the low to mid-20s. Personally, I do think both offenses see more success um, than you would think based on the game on paper because it is strength on strength. Michigan wants to run. Georgia wants to stop the run, vice versa. But I do think that even with all that, it's a college football game. There might be a special teams mistake that happens. Like, that's a very, very low total for a college football game. So I would probably lean, uh, lean over, uh, even at the number has been steamed up. So I think Georgia wins a very close game. I'll say, uh, I'll say 20, I'll say, uh, I'll go, uh, 27, 23, Georgia. You saw that, Tom. He he wanted to say a lower number, and then he realized it wasn't going to be the over. Really no, no, no. You know what it was? You know what it was? I'm, be, I'm, I'm being very honest. It was I was thinking of the over I bet in my head versus what it is now. So that's I was going to say 24-20. I'll be honest with you, but I'll give you I'll give you 27-23. I think that's a pretty average uh, scoring game, and I, and I do think both of these offenses have the capability to score. I mean, I didn't think Michigan was going to score a ton of points against like Ohio State, as an example. Um, 42 in the snow is impressive i mean back-to-back games they put up 42 even even with running the football they broke off a bunch of chunk plays i think we can get good field position like turnovers like we said we don't we don't love either quarterback necessarily so i think turnovers could be an issue so yeah i think we get like an average scoring game and i think that georgia wins a close one all right, guys. Well, we all have three different national championships, so I'm not going to break down one single game because I-, I can't believe we all actually ended up with different national championships. I want us all to give our official pick, though, for the national championship game that we ended up with. I'll go first. My game was Alabama-Michigan. I suspect Alabama will come out as heavy favorites over Michigan to win that football game. And maybe this is just me wanting to be chaotic and wanting to see something different. And, and I just know it would piss Penn State fans off, which, yeah, I might root for Penn State, but I think it's funny to, to see that happen. I'm going to pick Michigan to win the national championship. I've already expressed my concern over Bill O'Brien, his play calling, and kind of like the analogy I used over earlier with boxing, where everyone is great until they get punched in the mouth the first time. Alabama's been punched in the mouth a lot this year, so you would think they can probably withstand something like that, but... I would argue Michigan wants you to throw the football. They want to have Aiden Hutchinson and um, other bowlers' name I'm forgetting to just be Ajabo. able in Jabo. Thank you to be able to just stand there and say, "Hey, pin your ears back and go get that quarterback." And when you have Aiden Hutchinson, who might be the best pass rusher in this draft, back there, which I mean, him versus Evan Neal, if they actually line each other up on the same side, would be so much fun to watch. But I, I just think. Michigan has a very clear identity. I think we've seen Alabama get into these ruts where they can't get the offense going. This really comes down to I don't trust Bill O'Brien as a play caller. And so because I don't trust Bill O'Brien, I'm going to pick Michigan to beat Alabama. I think Michigan's going to be able to get the ground game going. Penn State fans are going to lose their mind because Michigan gets a national title before they do. And uh, let's go Michigan... I feel like they can't have a high-scoring game where they don't win that one. So let's go Michigan 27, Alabama 24. Uh, All right, let me, sorry, before we continue, uh, Caleb, your national championship was Georgia versus Alabama, a rematch. What is your prediction? Yeah, so for the record, I think Dave has my favorite prediction. So I'm going to, like, if that happens, I'll be, I would, 
enjoy it and laugh and like i understand it's the, fun the, the the meme potential is definitely like on another level with that like the internet would be chaos for a little bit so i would uh support it um i have the boring matchup of the three of us and it's weird that i'm gonna go out on the slim but i'm gonna take georgia in a close one i think that in, in a second game um i i think that i would like georgia to to make the those adjustments there was a point in the sec championship game where they were down and they got a couple stops in a row and they just couldn't convert on offense like after those stops so i think on on this time you know their defense will have a better showing in the beginning um no matching maybe alabama's downfield passing game is dinged a little bit so i i want to i'm going to take georgia the team that a lot you know the majority of the college football world was overwhelmingly the best team, and they lost a game. So I'm still going to ride in that corner. I actually think if they were going to lose, I think Michigan would be the team that they would that I would feel more concerned about because they just had such a big setback. So if they're able to beat Michigan, I think that's a big confidence win for Kirby Smart, noted guy that comes up small in these games, as you guys mentioned. So um, uh, I'll ride with Georgia. I don't have a score, let me think. Uh... I'll go, I'll kind of go a similar, I'll go a similar route. I'll say Georgia 30, uh, Alabama 24. And then Tom, maybe the most interesting of the matchups because Alabama is not in the national championship, which by the way, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, no one has Alabama win the national championship, telltale signs, bet Alabama to win the national yeah. championship. I might go do it as soon as we finish this podcast because the fact all three of us did not pick Alabama to win the title is very concerning. Uh, we're just feeding Nick Saban more rat poison for his team. Tom, you have Cincinnati versus Michigan. Who is your national champion? You you have the most interesting matchup, might I add. Before before we get to, uh, before we get to that, uh, Alabama, shout out Will Anderson for dropping the disrespected line. Nothing says disrespected like a 13.5 point favorite in a playoff game. Cincinnati, I said I was going to go down with the ship. Um, there is one ship I go down with more often than Cincinnati, and it is the Big Ten. So I'm going to take the Michigan Wolverines. Um, I, I personally like to see other Big Ten teams succeed in the postseason. To me, it, it validates the conference. It's good to see. Te- kind of like, you know, when I was in high school, I like to root for other teams in my district to, to get that far and, and, and win things. And I, I like kind of collective. But... I just think Michigan's a better football team than Cincinnati. I think they're going to dominate the trenches. Um, I think, you know, again, that defense is going to create a lot of problems for Desmond Ritter, quick releases, that kind of thing. So I'm going to ride with the Wolverines. Game is in Indianapolis. First time we got a championship game up north. Two northern teams play for it. It's only right. So give me the Wolverines and give me maybe the strangest national championship in a while with Michigan winning it. So two of us have Michigan winning the national championship. Caleb, of course, has the Georgia Bulldogs winning the national championship, which, again, I'll say it again. If you're betting, go bet on Alabama because clearly that's going to be who wins the national championship now. Where Why would it be anything else? Mind you, I think my gut wanted to pick Alabama, but that's no fun. Like, why are we going to – I like – like, Alabama's fun. They're a very good team. But, like, I, I don't know. I just – I'm tired of Alabama at this point. I guess it's been however long, what, 15 years of Alabama dominating. Like, let's get let's get some new blood in, and let's let's scare Ohio State a little bit by uh, getting Michigan a national championship. Well, guys, that brings us to the end of our college football playoff preview and another edition of There Is a Lot Going On. Caleb, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, let the people know where they can find you. 
Well, thanks, thanks again, guys, for for having me. Uh, I might also bet Alabama after this, uh, just just to hedge my uh, my my takes here. Um, and my Twitter, Caleb underscore Willfinger. Um, ho- hopefully, I think Dave usually links it in the description. That's something where I'm finishing up over at Pigswise. I think some some bowl previews coming out this week. I'm looking at a. Uh, over in Tennessee and Purdue, I'm looking at Utah keeping it close with Ohio State. Um, although we don't know if that game will be canceled in the next few days because every bowl game is getting canceled, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, outside of that, if you're we had Movie Corner last episode, you can just search my name on Letterbox if you want to see some some movie takes. So that's uh, another outlet you can find me uh, if you want. And uh, my podcast uh, called Living Off Borrow Time is also on all anywhere you get your podcast and uh, i will try and link as many of those things as i can in the show notes of this episode uh tom do you have any final thoughts before we go just one final thought i wanted to give you tom is you really skated this week because the football team you hold most dearly to your heart the new england patriots went out there and lost to the most fraudulent quarterback in the nfl josh allen and you know what we'll, we'll get to playoffs and whatnot and more nfl talk in the coming weeks but You've really skated by this week without having to defend your New England Patriots. Um, I'm not going to defend them. Terrible performance. Uh, your team did lose to the New York Giants a couple weeks ago, though. So redeemed it. They won yesterday. Bit. Don't want to hear it. That's fine. Still one and one against them. That's fine. Um, my final thoughts. Uh, one, I, I like Penn State more than the Patriots. For the record, I would much rather see success for the Penn State Nittany Lions than the Patriots. Does that have to do with the fact that the Patriots have won six Super Bowls already? I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a factor. But uh, speaking of Penn State, I got to shout out the Pittsburgh Panthers. Penn State, if you're worried about Michigan's success, maybe look at Pitt a little bit more because they just won a conference uh, and they're playing in a bigger bowl than you. So maybe Michigan's not the biggest villain in the room, Penn State. This is why Penn State uh, no longer schedules Pitt, because it is not good to have them lose to Pitt. And listen, still haven't gotten to his tape. I've been saying for weeks I'm going to watch his tape. Kenny Pickett might be the first pick in the upcoming draft. Got to go watch that. I am hearing a lot of Joe Burrow comparisons, which makes me very excited to uh, dive in there and actually watch his tape. Maybe I'll, I'll actually watch his bowl game, but we'll, we'll see. I don't find myself He's often He's not playing, watching. so don't waste your time. He's not playing. Uh, thank you. Thank you. That was actually very helpful information. I didn't know that. Well, again, brings us to the end of another edition of There's a Lot Going On. If you've made it this far, you know the many things I'm going to ask you to do, but it's to go on Apple Podcasts, go on to Spotify, whatever you use to listen to your podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Leave some comments on there. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, things you want to hear us talk about in the future. It goes a long way into helping the show. Uh, Make sure you go into that show notes. Also, follow Caleb on Twitter, maybe listen to his podcast, maybe check out his letterbox takes. I don't know if I'm going to link that one in the description, but you can go Google that one. He told you how to how to find his letterbox tapes and, you know, tapes, takes, ah, who cares? We're just trying to finish up the podcast. And that brings us to the end, you know, Tom Shively, David Arroyo, terrible ending here by me. We'll catch you back here next week for another edition. There's a lot going on.